What do you think you know, Micah? It's like my daddy used to say. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where you watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. He knows. Don't go home. And Mason Kuzmich. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> On today's episode, we're discussing Minority Report, a cyberpunk action thriller starring Tom Cruise as pre-crime chief John Anderton, who is predicted to commit a murder and tries to change his future. What did you guys think? Well, you're pretty not good what at the thinking script says. <laughs> <laughs> you know no one even gets the joke listening he changes words in my script to penis randomly and i have to try and remember what i put down in real time okay now you all get it thanks for listening folks. Yeah, i think we've explained it several times at this point so. i'm gonna keep explaining it all right well mason you go first because my notes app isn't on this computer so i need you to vamp for a while oh uh okay <laughs> i like the movie fuck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was good. I enjoy me some sci-fi. I enjoy me some cyberpunk. This is based off of Philip K. Dick's stuff, who is a fantastic author. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I believe Philip K. Dick in- originally intended his Minority Report story to be a sequel to Total Recall. I don't know about that. I saw I, that it was optioned as such for for the film. I think I was the, I think I was reading that that like that was the original intention by Philip K. Dick was to make that a sequel, but. Could be. What it f- didn't really work. What is Total Recall? It's it's another. It's it's a pretty bad movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it was also based off of Philip K. Dick story. Um, I haven't read that one, so yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. I've seen that movie once, and I don't remember a time. It wasn't good, but I think I might own it. It was good enough <laughs> to get a to uh, get a remake. Yeah, with Colin Farrell, who's uh-huh. also in this movie. Oh uh, yeah, just. Bouncing around from Philip K. Dick adaptations, I guess. Hey, you know what? Is it, there are worse ways to live. I mean, I suppose. Like, I don't know. I, I enjoyed this conceptually. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, also pretty interesting. Some of, the, some of the future tech in this movie we did not have when this movie was made, and we have now. Yeah. Like the whole eye scanning thing and the fingerprint scans and all that stuff. The like, personalized advertising is going to be coming very soon. It's oh already a thing on God, online. I hope we don't have ads that shout out my name <laughs> as I'm walking through the wall. Donnie, are you back for another? <laughs> no, Dick. No, 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 God, I, you could never shop at sex shops again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you enjoy that big black dildo? No, no. <laughs> also, that'd be so annoying. Like it's just like a a billboard just shouting at everybody who walks past. Like in a crowded mall, there'd just be overlapping, just shouting at different people. Yeah. No, that's. I think it'll be fine. I hope that never becomes a thing. Well, and this movie also gave us one of the best uh, one of the best episodes of Futurama, in which Fry becomes a cop. And they all, and it was also part of their future crimes division. Oh, I <laughs> don't remember that one. But I'm also not as into Futurama as you are. So. Yeah, that's fair. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Have we vamped long enough? Yeah, they, they, uh, they, yeah no, I found dances, my notes. Uh, none of them are related to this question. But. He dances to move the uh, the screen along. Uh, you know, Tom Cruise does the little the little hand motions. It's mm. this whole rewind it, bring it back. It's great. It's great. None of the people at home are getting this. Yeah, no, everyone's <laughs> getting it. This is a great podcast I material. Good old, good old visual jokes in a auditory medium. Yeah. Um, I also like this movie. Cool. Yeah. No, we it's really cool. Okay, so I'm excited. You made me talk we, for that fucking long. I am excited that we are past Vanilla Sky. Um, I think it's all, like, mostly uphill from here. I don't know that that's, like, strictly true, but I don't think there's any movie that I'm truly dreading from here on out. Goldmember? Um, you know what? <laughs> I don't kind of gold member. I don't think it's good, probably, but I mean, I had fun watching that as a kid. I mean, so. same. There's I no reason have I should nostalgia enjoy watching that. it. I mean, I think of the movies coming up like Gold Member, Rock of Ages, and like Rock of Ages is probably like, closest. The Mummy and Night and Day are. I'm not super excited. For. See, I mean, I really I, like Night and Day first time I saw it, and the Mummy. I'm 
I think I think it'll be fine. I think yeah. it'll be ten times better than like. Oh lose, no, losing we're, it. We're <laughs> definitely you know? in the we're definitely in the the good era of Tom Cruise films right now. We're yeah. we're into his pure action star era, which yeah. I think is probably his best one. I don't think anything after this is going to end up on like my bottom ten for Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, I'll throw probably that out there. not. Probably fair when we have such glorious gems as losing it and cocktail losing on our it. on our list. So, listen, you got to start somewhere. I mean, I guess. Yeah. And he wasn't the problem in those movies. No, maybe no, losing it, but he wasn't great in that. Movie, he wasn't but. the main problem in losing it. Well, no, that was the date rape for laughs. But mm, <laughs> gross. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think that I this movie makes me wish that Spielberg and Tom Cruise had done like a million movies together. I feel like they're really well matched because they're both like. To me, the advantage of both of them is that they're really steady and they're just going to be like at least a solid B plus. Yeah. And if you just had a solid B plus lead with like a solid B plus at least director, then you would just make really good movies like this all the time. Yeah. This is just a really fun and entertaining movie and there's nothing about it that's particularly bad. Yeah, I believe it's also the first time he's worked with Spielberg in, in his filmography. So let's yeah. add another amazing director to his list of directors he's worked with had pretty great success there yeah the last amazing director he'll ever work with actually oh yeah take that brad bird fuck you poor christopher mcquarrie brad bird will never come on this podcast now poor jj abrams uh, i've seen that star wars movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah defending jj abrams may not be a good thing right now with rise of skywalk coming out a lot of people were negative on that one but. who knows maybe by the time this comes out people have forgotten Star Wars fans never forget. They never forget. <laughs> they Star, never War, Star Wars fans, you know, this is coming from a, a huge Star Wars fan. Star Wars fans are the worst. Yes, we are the worst. <laughs> I, I, honestly, uh, having interacted with a lot of different fandoms, I think most fandoms are just god-awful. Yeah. yeah that's wild. Don't yeah. be a fan of things. People. You know what? I like the Steven Universe fandom. You know, okay. They're all very wholesome, but they the are whole show wholesome. is constructed around being a wholesome person. So Yes. Yeah. All of their villains get forgiven and turned into friends by the end of that show. People, I will give them that. People are one. confused why Rick and Morty fans are assholes. No. It's yeah. an entire show built around being an asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not and the people watching it not being able to actually parse the messages within the show. <laughs> you know, I don't... Give me that set one stuff now! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I promise not to go to too many Star Wars related rants on this episode, but I just want to point out a thing that I really appreciated. I saw like a prequel memes post today huh? that was a person basically being like, isn't it weird that we really like the prequel movies and then we dunk on people who like the new movies because we think they're bad, but like we like movies that are definitely bad, right? And I'm glad this somebody finally <laughs> called that out because it yeah. blows my mind that people who are like really passionate about hating you know, Rise of Skywalker or you know, The Last the, Jedi the got last so Jedi. much shit. Yeah. And it really and it didn't would be deserve for people most who of it. were like, yeah, and The Phantom Menace is fucking great. Uh-huh. And I would be like, okay, I love that you love bad movies because I also love the Star Wars prequels, but you need to at least also let other people like bad movies. Oh, see, listen, I, I just think you shouldn't like things. No one should like things. If you like things, especially if you like things too much, you're going to be, you're going to become kind of an asshole about it. Uh, I think that you should like things and you no. should try to fill your life with things that make you feel happy and good and make you love yourself and love the world. Don't let people like things. But also, you know, chill a little bit. Mm. Yeah. All right, fine. I think that's a good compromise point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chill a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good podcast, everybody. Yeah, All we're right. done. All right. We're not even going to talk on, about uh, Minority Report. On that note, let's get into our discussion of the Minority Report. Wait, what? <laughs> In April 2054, Washington, D.C.'s prototype pre-crime police department stops murderers before they act, or murderers before they act, sorry, reducing the murder rate to zero. Murders are predicted using specialized mutated humans called precogs who pre-visualize crimes by receiving visions of the future. Would-be murderers are imprisoned in a benevolent virtual reality. The federal government is on the verge of adopting the controversial program nationwide. 
I put a discussion thing, but that wasn't very much. What are y'all's opinions on if this was in real life? Yeah, I like- don't <laughs> see any problems whatsoever with this and think it is a perfectly yeah, sound perfect. idea. Okay, so... It's like broken windows policing. It's always good in every situation. Always good all the time. It's fucking terrible. Go to hell, Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> I'm going to edit out the part where you say it's fucking terrible. No, so don't that do that. No. Hates you. Wait, can you leave the part where I say, go to hell, Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah, you're fine. Okay. They're oh, confused okay. about why I hate that New Yorker column. <laughs> so people are just gonna be mad at me i get it yeah okay no um, this is i'm sorry you go ahead oh no i the only other thing i was gonna say is i didn't get that they were imprisoned in a benevolent virtual reality because when we saw them it looked like the what was on their screen was just replaying their murders over <laughs> and over again yeah that's yeah, pretty they, bad they didn't really go over what they were actually seeing okay like I think they were just using that little screen in front of their faces as a computer screen to show the murder. Is that how the ID people, they show their murders <laughs> to anyone who walks through there? Like, that's also kind of terrible. I mean, maybe. That that would be a way, like, oh, what's he in for? Oh, it's right there on his face. <laughs> he drowned that girl. That girl. Yeah. 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 But did he? He did. He did. Um, okay. Well, actually, no. Well. Because... Or maybe, <laughs> maybe there was a third. Anyway, um, yeah. So actually, this is a great part to discuss because there's there's a lot of like global problems with the system that I want to talk about that don't fit in anywhere specific in the movie. Okay. Um, so my, if I had one problem with this movie, it would be that I think the ethical dilemma of pre crime is a cool one, and I think it kind of cheaps out on it by making them do pre crime in like a. Sorry, we can all <laughs> wait while Donovan checks his phone. Um, I think they cheaped out on the ethical dilemma a little bit by making them do it in a way that is clearly evil. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a little bit better now that I know, like Mason said, I thought that they were being trapped in like a hellish <laughs> VR or something like that, um, which is definitely worse. But they are still like being imprisoned in like a pod yeah. type situation. Like That's the real problem with, with the whole system, right? It's not that they're stopping crime before it happens. That's kind of the ideal, right? But mm-hmm. the problem, maybe we can talk about that. But yeah, well, sure. But the 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 bigger problem is how they're addressing, you know, the the crime before it happens. Right. Like, oh, you just get life imprisonment for this thing that you haven't actually done yet, instead of you know intervention therapy. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, it, it would have been made more logical sense to just stop the crime from happening, and you know, maybe that guy needs to go talk to someone or something like that. But. No, you you can't arrest someone for not doing anything. Yeah, but like, at the same time, I think that you know, for for sci-fi, like sci-fi stories, don't really they they don't they don't really tell the future. They kind of tell the present in a different way. Is sort of the the whole thing. And so the what you're really getting out of this is there are problems with modern policing that try to predict crime and in doing so, kind of target people unnecessarily yeah it's definitely something that you know the punishment feels like it's the problem here mm-hmm. um, like honestly even if you just if you just asked me like would you rather like get hooked up to like a matrix pod and be trapped in a benevolent benevolent virtual reality for the rest of your life or like go to prison in like a scandinavian country or something i'd be yeah. like definitely the second one right <laughs> that first one actually sounds yeah pretty, the one where you get to pretty go live on an island I mean, better than like a, the american prison system maybe but oh yeah you know but pretty bad yeah, um, I mean, at least yeah. they're not. At least they're not being uh, used as forced labor. I mean, that's true. So, um, but that's still terrible. They're not giving them trials, which is insane to me. <laughs> and they're not. Excuse could, me. They had two witnesses sign off on what Tom Cruise saw. You could charge them with a much <laughs> lesser crime, right? Conspiracy to murder. Yeah, or... you can be like, I'm charging you with future murder. <laughs> you know, and maybe future murder is like you got to go to, you know, like an you got to go to community service, inpatient mental health services for three yeah. years or something. I don't know. Especially if you're like, a, if it's like a crime of passion, it's like I don't know. You're mm-hmm. gonna. I'm not saying you should kill your spouses if they cheat on you, right? But that's different from being like a serial murderer that's like premeditating all of their crimes. That's third yeah. degree murder um, or second degree or something. Go listen to second degree our crime of passion. Second, second degree. degree crime of passion i'm a lawyer i'm a real lawyer listen to me take legal advice from me everybody uh don't actually do that He's i'm a lawyer. lawyer mason is my paralegal um all right, all right. whatever <laughs> i had a third thing here but it doesn't go with this so never mind i'm done 
Well, all right. Since the disappearance <laughs> of his son, Sean, pre-crime Captain John Anderton, played by Tom Cruise, has both separated from his wife, Laura, and become a drug addict. While United States Department of Justice agent Danny Whitwer, played by Colin Farrell, is auditing the program, the precogs generate a new prediction, stating Anderton will murder a man he does not know named Leo Crow in 36 hours. Anderton flees the area as Whitwer begins a manhunt. Anderton seeks the advice of Dr. Iris Hinneman, the creator of pre-crime technology. She reveals that sometimes one of the precogs, precogs, usually Agatha, has a different vision from the other two, a minority report of a possible alternate future. This has been kept a secret as it would damage the system's credibility. Anderton resolves to recover the minority report to prove his innocence. And I also will say it says in here, usually Agatha. I'm pretty sure she specifically said it's always Agatha. Yeah, she's the only one that gives minority reports. Because she's the most talented of the three. Yeah, and you know what? This seems like a pretty big problem with the system. Yeah, just a little bit. You know. Yeah. That's <laughs> a pretty big fucking problem. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, wait. So question, something else that I never talked about. We're okay. talking about all okay. my problems with this system. Uh-huh. If they didn't have these problems, right? Mm-hmm. If you sent these people to like, I don't know, it's like a prison that's like pretty bad but not too good. Or pretty good but not too good. I don't know. Huntsville? UK prison or something. I don't know. Some some medium good country. Oh, okay. Then, um, sorry. I was, then, sorry. No, it was just... Yeah. yeah, it's not good enough for that. Not as bad as American prison. Like, if you just did something normal like that, right? Mm-hmm. That would pre-crime, I don't know, would that still make sense to arrest people before they did stuff and then charge them with that crime? I feel I like that's still kind of a crazy system, right? It, it really is, because they didn't commit that crime. Yeah. I mean... You can do attempted. I'm okay with attempted murder. Uh, wait, now what? Is it... Do that... No, and, okay, Andrew wait, wait. Whoa, is whoa, encouraging okay. attempted murder, folks. Do not... I believe he Do meant, not isolate... He's okay <laughs> with you arresting people yeah. for attempted... <laughs> charging them yes. with okay. attempted murder. Yes. Okay. He's not saying attempted murder is good. Anyway, so attempted murder is good. Doug, I mean, edit that. Oh, okay. Doug doesn't even have to edit that. Yeah. Doug's dead. <laughs> yeah, I attempted to murder him. And Sorry. And I did uh, successfully murder him. <laughs> Mr. Soundboard. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, continue. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's still crazy, right? So, if I don't know. I just feel like this movie cheaps out a little bit by being like, no, it's like, look at the way that they're doing it, and that's bad. And it's like their corrupt motivations and, like, the links that they're willing to go to to preserve the system. But I feel like yeah. the system itself is a little wackadoodle. Yeah. Well, sure. And, and again, like, as, it's kind of, as it kind of gets to pointing out here, it's not really a foolproof system. It's not 100% correct. They just you know make it out to be 100 percent correct yeah yeah i just think that even if it were 100 percent correct it would still be extremely morally questionable yeah no that's fair i I would agree yeah i mean i just there i don't from a legal standpoint you can't arrest someone for a crime that they didn't commit i mean that's just well this isn't the future though well the future is stupid yeah I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you sort of can't arrest. I guess you can arrest them for like a different kind of crime or something, right? You know, you can be part of a conspiracy I mean, to do something or attempt to do something, and that can be a crime. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's and and I would be okay with, like you were saying, I'd be okay with them charging people with that. Like if if they get a like, what's the what's the different color ball? They have a red ball, which is I think that's like murder uh, two, uh, crime of passion. Yeah, red ball, red ball's act of pra- passion, and a brown ball is premeditated murder or whatever like that. So yeah. like. If they get a brown ball or whatever, they get charged with conspiracy to murder or something like that. Yeah. Because they're planning it. They're planning to murder someone. It's clearly, but you yeah, can't. You, you, can't, you should you call them and just be like, hey, I know you're going to murder somebody. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know what? We're, we're going to arrest you and take you to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were saying they were saying they they don't ever really get brown balls anymore in D.C. because yeah, everyone's smart enough. Yeah. Because you know, premeditating a murder with this pre-crime system is stupid. So it's normally just something where like emotionally you don't, you just snap or whatever. So, yeah. Which, Hey, prevention. I mean, I guess that is a plus. Mm -hmm. Prevention's good, but you have to, you know, you have to actually know what you're doing. Yeah. Anyway, I also want to point out, I like to, um, I like movies too much. I like to read a lot of like screenwriting books and stuff like that. And a lot of them, um, or a couple of them, have specifically used this cro- or this uh, scene where uh, Danny Whitmer is like, "Hey, your system's bullshit," as like an example of a really good way of doing exposition. Mm-hmm. Like instead of just having a character, you know, stare at the camera and fill you in on all the details of how the world works, like the scene makes sense and has emotional stakes because he's here to dismantle the system. So it's literally his job to try to understand it, and Tom Cruise's job to try to justify it to him. 
So he's able to voice a lot of concerns like, well, if we haven't done it yet, how do you know what's going to happen? And all that paradox stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a really good scene yeah. where they're talking in the office for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. But do you even really have free will? Uh, what do you mean by free will? Can you even choose things? Okay. Are there okay. even things to choose? <laughs> I'm going to go crazy and do <laughs> a lot more of this later. This is a preview of later in this podcast. But, <laughs> but, but free will. Let me ask you free this willy. question. Let me ask you this question, right? So let's say that you're sitting in your house, you know, mm-hmm. and then you decide that you're going to go see a movie, right? And you get ready and you're about to go out and go see the movie, but then you decide not to. And so you stay at home instead. And then later you find out that all that some crazy person locked all of your doors and windows from the outside so that you couldn't have gone to see the movie if you really wanted to, right? Were you exercising free will in that situation? Nope. Why not? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. Cool. Anyway, that's a fun one. That's a fun little thought experiment to, I mean, it is. to clarify for people. Like, is free will when you choose something and you could have chosen to do something else or is it when you successfully get to do the thing that you wanted to do that's a good question i mean i guess i guess what always trips me up about it is just in any situation like given given the specific circumstances you're in are you ever going to act any differently that's what throws me about free will i mean, yeah, it's more i of think a, no yeah i mean which almost sounds deterministic but i think like soft determinism it's like technically you could choose to do something else but you're not going to yeah, but could in what sense, man? We need a lot more weed for this podcast. Yeah, we really do. We really do. Uh, anyone got any E? Anyway. Uh, another thing that they don't they didn't bring up in this recap that happens during this whole part is basically the beginning of the chase of Colin Farrell, like Colin Farrell and leading the pre-crime guys trying mm-hmm. to find him. And, you know, they have the whole thing through the car factory where he gets trapped on the assembly line and then it turns out that he survive that and he's just in a car now he's in an assembled car <laughs> that was I, cool i enjoyed that scene uh-huh. and then all the jetpack fighting yeah. and the futuristic yeah. yoga scene they all were, right they were all contorted or whatever <laughs> that was fun yeah uh my two fa- the, the scene where the car gets built around him i may just be making this up or i may be uh cock blocking some of your trivia um, but I think that might have been like a reference to like an older movie that did that kind of thing in like a car factory yeah it um, it, it was a um a potential scene for a Hitchcock film. Oh, okay. I think. Maybe something Hitchcock um, said he'd always wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, they wanted they to do, but he never actually did it. Built. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I saw that trivia. I didn't put it in because I was getting a little long in the trivia section. So there we go. I had to pick some stuff out. But there you go. A little, little organic trivia there. Yeah. Also, I like organic free range trivia. Danny Whitwer, like all U.S. attorneys, is very good at kung fu fighting. <laughs> Yeah. Tom Cruise yeah, in the, a car factory. Yeah, nothing like the district attorney who's actually really good at, you know, parkour and yeah. <laughs> like. Don't worry, I majored in parkour at law school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a public servant. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, no, you have to. Yeah, it's it's a requirement. All right, uh, Anderton goes to a black market doctor for a risky eye transplant so as to avoid the citywide optical recognition system. He returns to Precarm and kidnaps, kidnaps Agatha, shutting down the system as the Precogs operate as a group mind. Anderton takes Agatha to a hacker to extract the minority report of Leo Crow, but none exists. It, instead, Agatha shows him an image of the murder of Anne Lively, a woman who was drowned by a hooded figure five years prior. This is the part of the movie where I'm a little bit bored. Also, the eye stuff is really gross and terrible, and I hate it. Oh, yeah, where you had to catch the eye before it fell in the drain. Yeah. Mm, that Ugh. was fun. I like that. Just everything they do with the actual eye. Like, yeah. I appreciate whatever prop person made that eye. And, yeah. There's a lot like of body horror and all that. In. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was fun. But uh, I kind of want to talk about this little area that this hacker works in, because I feel like that's this may be something of the future, like where you could just go and get, like, put on a little helmet. It's like almost VR, except I guess more intense where like you can just decide to do whatever you want yeah whatever and, well i like i was saying earlier i haven't actually seen or read total recall but i think this is the point where those two things might cross over because mm. from what what little i understand about total recall the main character goes to like this basically vr suite and it becomes this whole mind fuck about oh is this even real mm-hmm. mm. it's in a vr dream in a vr dream in a vr dream yeah 
they should have had uh, Tom Cruise go and put one of the VR headsets on, and then it just goes straight into the pilot for Westworld. And then <laughs> you just watch two seasons of Westworld before the movie finishes. Oh, I'd watch it. I yeah. wouldn't. <laughs> you didn't like Westworld? never really watched it i watched the oh, first episode okay. and really enjoyed that james marston died three times in the first yeah. episode because i really don't like not james, james marston. marston fan no huh? i am not okay wow. i'm like i'm like oh james marston oh he's dead wait he's back oh he's dead again oh, guys. <laughs> this is cathartic well, i guess now is oh, an awkward God. time to say that i scheduled james marston to come on this podcast a little later today so. good I can and here t- he is uh, you fucking suck you <laughs> douchebag oh, okay. he left <laughs> Yeah, he softly said bye and then cried into one of our mics and then left. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I thought the spiders were cool. The spiders were interesting. Little little walking police spiders. Yeah, little yeah. that have built-in tasers and optical scanners. I guess. Yeah, but staying in an ice bath will keep them away from you. Oh yeah, almost. They're, they're, they're heat sensitive. Yeah, it's just it's so unless easy. you have a little air bubble go up and they're like, whoa, wait, what the fuck that? was that, bro? <laughs> It's so easy to get past the police in this world. All you have to do is scoop your eyes out and get into an ice bath. Oh, hang on. never be able to find you. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Why was he really concerned about hiding from them? Because didn't they find him, but it didn't matter because he had but new he, eyes? Well, he needed, he needed to get the new eyes to be able to steal Agatha from pre-crime. No, I, I get that. But why was he scared about the spiders finding him? Because they mean, found him and then they didn't know it was him because he had new eyeballs. Well, because he, he, was, he wasn't supposed to take that bandaging off. They said he was supposed to go blind or whatever. Oh, okay. So I guess he was trying to hide himself so that he didn't have to do that. But then they took the bandages off anyways and he was fine. Oh, okay. So, well, yeah. Roll the dice. Yeah, you're supposed to, like, it's like 12 hours or something. You're supposed to keep the bandages on for 12 hours. And the doctor was like, yeah, if you take it off before, then you'll go blind. So. Well, maybe he's also worried that you know if the uh, if the police actually show up up there to investigate, or if they're walking around or whatever, and they see him, they will recognize him, or at the very least, recognize that hey, this guy has recently had some pretty serious eye surgery. Yeah, maybe It'd be so. a pretty big giveaway. Or maybe he's just one of those guys who like reads about stoicism a lot and is trying to like stop watching pornography and take ice baths a lot. And he thinks yeah. that'll make it like Tim Ferriss's podcast is his favorite podcast. Sure. And, you know, other than Joe Rogan, of course. Of course. Well, now hang he, on. he eats carnivore all the time. Yeah. <laughs> just really trying to get his life in order. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll, that'll help. But also, why, why didn't he just, you know, have no eyes like his drug dealer? That is a great question. Oh, wait. It's because he needed eyes. Oh, shit. You're yeah, right. To see he things. needed to see things. You're fucking right. Oh. Anyways, <laughs> Anderton and Agatha go to Crow's hotel room at the 36-hour time, as the 36-hour time nears, finding numerous photos of children, including Sean's. Crow arrives, and Anderton prepares to kill him, accusing him of being a serial child killer. Agatha talks Anderton out of shooting Crow by telling him that he has the ability to choose his future now that he is aware of it. Crow, however, begs to be killed, having been hired by an unknown entity to plant the photos and be killed in exchange for his family's financial well-being. Crow grabs Anderton's gun and pulls the trigger, killing himself. Anderton and Agatha flee to Lara's house outside the city for refuge. There they learn Lively was Agatha's drug-addicted mother, who sold her to pre-crime. Lively had sobered up and attempted to reclaim Agatha, but was murdered. Anderton realizes he is being targeted for knowing about Lively's existence and her connection to Agatha. Okay, so big question. What, how does hiring a random dude to have a bunch of kid pictures, how does that suddenly make the crime definitely going to happen? I don't understand. Who, who hired just a random dude to, I don't know, be there in case he wandered into the room. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, Max von Sydow did that. I mean, I mean, sure, but like, I, this is a shitty plan, right? I think so. I don't know. Someone walk me through this. How is this working? He's just hired a random dude that this guy has never met. Yeah. And I mean, if he's going to if he's going to show up as a potential murder or as a future murder for uh, for pre crime. Uh-huh. I mean, that means that Tom Cruise had to have formed the he would expressed have, intent to kill him. Yeah, or he would have like the chain of events would have to necessarily lead him to walk into this random person's apartment. Yeah. Well, no. See, I don't think that's the case. Wait, maybe right? 
I don't know, when sci-fi movies get into all this, like, future and time travel bullshit, it always gets fucky, a little fucky, so, you know. Yeah, no, actually, weirdly enough, I wonder if maybe you, okay, maybe Max von Sydow just has to create this plan in his head, right? Okay. And have a firm intent to do this, and then the little ball will roll down, roll down and it'll show him what his plan should be because that's the only <laughs> plan that could work. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So maybe. really all that has to happen is maximum Snyder has to decide to do it and be smart enough that he could theoretically figure out a way to do it. Or and then so, it's, so it's, it's like when, uh, in, uh, uh, Bill and Ted's adventure, when they're like hiding the keys for themselves, like under <laughs> the bush, you know, Okay. it's like that his future self is helping him out. Or maybe like I guess. maybe this guy has had this deal for like a super fucking long time and it's just like waiting for the moment when the precogs like everything kind of works out to where it's like, Oh yeah, this this is the moment and then they send the little ball down. Man, I got paid for this shit like years ago. Yeah. What's gonna happen? Maybe Max von Sado just hired him and told him a place to be and then that's enough. I don't know. I mean, name a sci fi movie that doesn't have plot holes. Um, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, Mad Max Fury Road. I'm sure I could also, come up with one if I thought about it. Star Wars, uh, de- The Clone Wars, the movie. Too many fart jokes for there to be any plot holes. Oh, okay. Because there was no plot. It was all fart jokes. That was the brilliance of the movie. That's, you know, it was a make bad a good point. movie. It's such a bad movie. <laughs> I like Star Wars. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> Your point is taken. It's a little weird to wrap your head around. My head cannot really... I did think about this a little bit during the movie, and I did think that maybe it would be something where after he had found out how it was going to happen, that's how Max von Sydow knew to do certain things. Mm. Yeah, I guess may, maybe like the ball rolled down, and then and he's like, oh, I should pay this guy to do this, because I know that this will set Anderton off. And I mean... Yeah, that could happen, but he'd have to organize all that within the thirty-six hours. Although, you know, there is a little weird stuff here. Like, it's not they kind of posit that he can change his future because he's seen his future, right? Uh huh. But then the guy does end up getting killed, which right. that suggests that the original video that he saw was like the Anne Lively one, where it was just different, right? That's the whole reason he gets her is because it's a Minority Report and that it was incomplete. Which yeah. it, it does seem like so a maybe lot. He of didn't these change things. his future. Maybe he just never was going to kill that guy. Yeah, I don't fucking know, man. I mean, I believe the vision did show him actually killing him, so it did Maybe change so. a little bit. I mean, the, the because final there, there thing. Because there was the uh, the whole, oh, wait, did, he did say goodbye, Crow, He did he, still though? say goodbye, Crow, but I believe in the vision it shows him pulling the trigger on the gun and actually killing Crow physically without Crow's hands, like, okay. doing anything or whatever, so. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, but I mean, it was, it was as close to the actual vision as it could be without him actually killing him, so. Yeah. Um, anyway, the actual scene, like where uh, Tom Cruise, you know, goes into the Miranda rights and citing them and deciding not to kill him, um, I think that that was really well done. It was mm-hmm. probably his best bit of acting for me in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was a really cool character concept, um, which I felt like they probably, I wish they had leaned into that a little more. Um, that it's like, you know, he's this guy who has this really tragic backstory. But that, like, makes him really committed to the idea of justice. So he's like, no, I can't just kill somebody. Like, I have to take you through the justice system. And that the reason he wants to dismantle pre-crime at the end is because he decides that it's, like, not a good thing. But instead they just go with, like, no, the problem is that you can cheat the system. It's not that it's a bad system. It's just that you can cheat it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Whitworth, studying Crow's death, suspects Anderton of being framed. He examines the footage of Lively's murder and finds that there were two diff- two attempts on her life, the first having been stopped by pre-crime, but the second occurring seconds later having succeeded. Whitworth reports this to the director and founder of pre-crime, Lamar Burgess, but Burgess responds by killing Whitworth using Anderton's gun. With the precog still offline, the murder is not detected. Laura calls Burgess to reveal that Anderton is with her and he is captured, accused of both murders and fitted with the brain device that puts him permanently into a dreamlike sleep. As his body is deposited into prison, the warden tells him that all your dreams come true. Okay, is this a dreamlike sleep, or is this benevolent VR, or is this hell VR? I feel like it's changed every time I check in with what's happening to these prisoners. It's all of these things. Also, it reminds me of um, a Doctor Who episode that Donovan never watched. Uh, Remember the first time that he meets River? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She dies. They they, they, like whole digitized. He like... Puts her brain into a screwdriver. Yeah. You know, puts her... Doesn't that seem like it would be like (laughs) condemning somebody to hell? Kind of, You've trapped their consciousness permanently in a computer? 
So for all time. So yes, I see where you're coming from, but I also like I think the uh, the idea there was well, you're going to die anyway. We can digitize your mind so you can kind of still live on. Which well, is, isn't, um, I guess, isn't kind the, of. Uh, isn't the All Your Dreams Come True line the same one that the hacker says at his little VR cafe or whatever? Like, Probably. All your, all your dreams come true. Oh, so maybe it's, I like that. So maybe the prison is like a, a form of that almost. Like, you know, they pick something that's like, you're still living your life and being happy and all that, but you're just locked away. Yeah, yeah. you just get to keep doing that murder <laughs> like you always I mean, wanted you to feel do. You're so happy. I finally <laughs> avenged Sean's death. Yeah. I mean, I mean in that way, I'll, I'll, while I still think it's not okay to arrest people for not doing murder, like if it is like, you know, a, a happy VR, like a happy little thing that you're watching the whole time and like you're living a happy life or whatever in, up in your head, I guess that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, you, I, I it's got not a, the worst thing, but it's I've got bad. a little movie I want to show little, you called The Matrix. I mean, that's a good point. Oh my God, were, you would be Cypher in The Matrix. <laughs> people were happier. <laughs> in, people were happier in The Matrix, man. I'm just saying. I would no, be Cypher. See, there's like this specific <laughs> thought experiment. I'm going to be all about thought experiments today. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you ask like, you know, when you're trying to like philosophically define happiness and you're like, hey, if you could plug into a machine that would put you into benevolent VR and you would be happy all the time in that world, like, would you do that? Should you do that? And I feel like the point of that is that most people kind of feel like they wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So there might be something about like not being trapped in VR that I is want to experience to reality. living a good life. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to actually have a life. It's a lot of connections to this movie in Vanilla Sky. It really is. Well, yeah, yes. Yeah. You know that whole well, that's thing. True. I just explained that whole thing, but that's just what Vanilla Sky is. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, it's it's him, you know, being put in a cryostasis, and they replace his life or whatever with a happier one, like a little happy happy life where everything goes his way. It's pretty similar. So maybe maybe they can you know in these happy time VRs maybe they can live a life where they're both cats, guys. Are we stuck in Vanilla Sky right now? I think we might be. Have oh, we no. still been stuck ever since I don't know. we watched I'll, Vanilla Sky? I'll go jump off a building and find out. All right. Bye, Mason. <laughs> Tell us how it goes. Walk, 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 walk. <laughs> Slam. Oh! <laughs> Wait, why did two people jump off of that building? And only one of them farted. Uh, anyway, keep going. <laughs> All right. Uh, Agatha is reconnected to the pre-crime system. While attempting to comfort Lara, Burgess accidentally reveals himself as Lively's murderer. Lara frees Anderton, and Anderton exposes Burgess at a pre-crime celebratory banquet by playing the full video of Agatha's vision of Burgess killing Lively. A new report is generated at pre-crime. Burgess will kill Anderton. Burgess corners Anderton and explains that he could not afford to let Lively take Agatha back without impacting pre-crime. Uh, he arranged to kill Lively following an actual or an actual attempt on her life so that the murder would appear as an echo within pre-crime and be ignored. Uh, Anderton points out Burgess's dilemma. If Burgess kills Anderton, he will go away for life, but pre-crime will continue. If he spares Anderton, uh, pre-crime will be discredited and shut down. Anderton reveals the ultimate flaw of the system. Once people are aware of their future, they are able to change it. Burgess instead shoots himself. Afterwards, the pre-crime system is shut down. All the prisoners are pardoned and released, although they are kept under probation-like circumstances. Anderton and Lara are soon to have a new child together, and the precogs are sent away to an undisclosed location to live their lives in peace. Okay, I'm going to disagree with this uh, write-up that Donnie made all by Uh himself um, that he slaved away at, because it says that the ultimate flaw of the system is that once you know your future, you're able to change it. Is that where they were going with this whole movie? Once you know your future... Then you have free will. Maybe that maybe that's the uh, requirement for free will. You actually have to know the future. Yeah, maybe or maybe only only Paul Atreides had free will in the entirety of the Dune series. Maybe so. <laughs> I feel like they didn't explicitly. That wasn't the point that they were making explicitly in the movie. I felt like, although maybe it would be easy to tie that idea to like you know. The problem is that the cops know the future, and therefore they can change it. They can rig the murders if they want to. I mean, maybe, that's a little bit more of what was actually happening. Yeah, maybe maybe what he was saying was more that it was the flaw for like the specific situation where he was talking to what's his name Burgess. Mm-hmm. Um, like that that was the speci- there was like the specific flaw that Burgess didn't account for. Oh yeah, maybe so. Well, I mean, it's like you know they they show that one murder they stop at the beginning where the guy's gonna you know kill his wife or whatever like maybe Mm -hmm. if that guy had seen that prevision or whatever he would have not done it or something like that yeah it's like instead of just assuming that person's gonna murder him maybe he'd be like hey like don't do that no yeah maybe maybe like instead pipe the balls to the murderer's house and they're like oh huh 
Honey, we should go to counseling. Yeah. yeah. Go to marriage counseling. <laughs> or just like get a divorce. Like whatever. Yeah. Um, or so, maybe, maybe I just lock the door and don't let this dude come in. And I don't know. That could escalate too. That That's actually a bad idea. Yeah. Um, so one scene in this section that I didn't remember correctly from the first time I'd seen this movie is uh, when Laura visits Burgess after Tom Cruise has been locked up, right? I'm never going to remember Tom Cruise's character's name. John, John Anderton. Anderton. John Anderton. That's, a, that's such a... Mr. Anderton. I, right. I mean, speaking of the <laughs> Matrix connections. Um, but when Laura goes in to talk to him, I remembered it as like she was already kind of on to what was happening and she was being a little bit tricky and she secretly figured this out without Max von Sydow recognizing that. Uh, but it was total, none of those things were happening. She had no idea that uh-huh. it could possibly happen to anyone setting her husband up. And then extremely obviously figures it out and then tells him that she figured it out and then he's like well okay let's just put a pin in that though i'm gonna leave and go do something else and hope you don't do anything about it i mean don't you think he would have tried to kill her or something strangle strangle her with his bow tie yeah i want to i need to see a scene of him trying to figure that out or like talking to neil mcdonough be like man she's crazy she's accusing everybody of murder don't talk to her I don't know. Hey, it just, I just, just thought that was a little weird. He's like, "I'll just go to my dinner party. It'll be fine." Just calls up pre-crime. Hey, can you uh, can you hold off on reconnecting Agatha? Thanks yeah. for like just like ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, you're good. Reconnect him. All right. Um, yeah. Also, one thing I forgot to say before is my favorite part of this is the scene where uh, they're in the mall and mm-hmm. precog is just like doing all of this stuff where she's like buy a balloon or stand right here and the balloons will cover us and you know when she's predicting the future i love that shit that, that was really cool people are using their future vision he knows to don't go win home. the fight it, yeah. it's it's like that uh nick cage movie knowing i think yeah or like that character in steven universe garnet oh okay yeah yeah what, what do you think about both of those things donovan i hate both of them <laughs> oh i'm gonna look up that gift it's good good knowing. you're following my advice and not liking things oh no wait knowing is not what you I, I might be mistake, mistaking it for something else. Knowing is kind of like that. Knowing is the one where he gets a bunch of numbers. It's an, and it's they predict the right. all the... Hey, we're talking about Nicolas Cage movies right now. I was right. about to talk about Nicolas Cage <laughs> movies too. Isn't the one you're thinking of called like Next or something like that? I think that? so, yeah. Think There's so. one where he can see the future and it's really, really terrible movie and you shouldn't watch it. Yeah, but Aww. then there's one called Knowing where he gets a piece of paper that can predict the future and it's really, really terrible and you shouldn't <laughs> see it. Uh, I'm looking up the gif of him dodging the sniper bullet right now. That's oh, the only yeah, thing I no. know from that movie where it's not even aiming at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Everybody go look it up right now. It's beautiful. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great gif. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a beautiful gif. Anyway, the only other parts that I wrote at the end here is that uh, this is based on a Philip K. Dick story, just in case. Yeah. Nobody knew that yet. If you just... Uh, ignore, ignore the first ignore half of the podcast. everything that we've been saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. And then also... Um, they need to remove his access a lot faster. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't mention that because mm-hmm. he had access the entire movie. Yeah, after yeah. he was sent to prison. Once after he was, after they had predicted the murder, right? He was able mm-hmm. to get access back in to get the precog, mm-hmm. and then after that, after he had been locked up in prison, his wife could still use his eyeball to get back into the the head police facility. Holy the, shit! Their yeah. IT. I mean, I guess they felt like, you know, he would have never come back to pre-crime when he was on the run. So they're like, eh, we'll just do it later. Okay, well, and then it's stupid. like, oh, he's in prison. There's no, he's never going to be able to come back. So we'll just do it later. Yeah. Shouldn't they have scanned his eyes and know that he has different eyes? That should be a problem. Listen, someone's know. dragging their feet in HR. That's, that's what's yeah. going on right now. <laughs> just bureaucratic email. nightmare <laughs> you know, over there. Yeah. Email your IT guy and have him revoke access. Come on. Well, the thing is, the problem is they're uh, I was gonna the say, HR uh, reps keep uh, keep getting nabbed for for uh, pre murder. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that that was a plot hole, but honestly, it's probably just you know. Not, I mean, that uh, could be mis- real mis- life. Mis- ma- mismanaged companies. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, That's- we've all worked for a company with bad management. Some of us currently. That's so. the real nightmarish dystopia. <laughs> Companies with bad bands. <laughs> Are we living in a dystopia right now? Oh my god! Um, I also wrote down. Oh, look at this! I'm such a. I, I would do so well in English class. I said there's some parallel structure in this movie, um, <laughs> where at the I end, s- uh, you know, he's. I forget who's doing it, but someone is like watching the the video of Max von Sydow murdering Tom Cruise, and you're like seeing them predict 
what they're going to say before they mm-hmm. uh, say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was the same thing that he was doing with his son at the beginning when he was watching him, uh, oh, yeah. you know, watching the videos and predicting it. So I don't know. There's something about, you know, living in the past, being obsessed with trying to figure out the future, and Tom Cruise just not doing that anymore. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah. But I saw it. Uh, I think think this was back... um, We've had this discussion before, uh, Andrew, about our problem with Steven Spielberg movies currently, how he's not really taking risks anymore, and he's just kind of doing the same old thing because it's been working and still works. I feel like this is back in good Spielberg days where, like, I don't know, it seems like he had more of a passion for filmmaking like he did little little things like that and stuff like that like and I, that's right this is back before spielberg sucked <laughs> i spielberg yeah, I will mean, never <laughs> suck because he's a very good director yeah, right. it's just it's he's kind of fallen into i'm gonna make a formulaic spielberg movie starring tom hanks and meryl streep yeah. and it's gonna be good because it's a spielberg movie starring tom hanks and meryl streep but it's not gonna be anything that's gonna like shatter the cinema world or whatever yeah i I think with him it's just that he's he's so good that he and this is the problem with so many things in life that are like this like he's so good that he is good and relevant for many decades Mm -hmm. but he can't stay new for that long because no person is so good that they can reinvent themselves that much so i think the movies he's making now for me are about as good as like this or even like i have as much fun watching bridge of spies as i do watching et or whatever right Mm -hmm. but like Jaws and E.T. were bigger deals back in the day when he was revolutionary. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's kind of an interesting conundrum, though. Like, he's such a good director that it almost makes his new movies feel like they're not good just because it's, I don't know, like, it's hard you, to you expect ex- more from him because of what well, he's done in the past. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like hard to explain. Like, The Post was actually, it was a good movie. It was a really good movie, but it was probably my least favorite of, like, the Best Picture nominations last time because I'm like... Yeah, it's a Spielberg movie with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. It's going to be that. So I was just like, I guess it was like, there's no, there's nothing that like broke my expectation of that movie, even though I can admit that that was a very well-made, very well-crafted movie. It's like, eh, it's It's another Spielberg good movie. You either die Stanley Kubrick or live long enough to see yourself become Steven Spielberg. I think that's what's going on here. Kubrick was. I like how, I like how so you, much I like how you so pulled long. a quote from a Chris Nolan movie to do that too. <laughs> Damn right, <laughs> I did. Chris Nolan. I don't know. I still like Nolan stuff. I don't know that it's gotten really like I don't think new I've, and innovative. I don't really think I've disliked anything Chris Nolan's yeah, done. I love all those movies. I can't yeah, say I the same for Steven David Spielberg O. Russell. Like fifty movies. Oh yeah, David O. Russell. Let's not talk about his movies. I hate them all. Quit casting Jennifer Lawrence in things, David O. Russell. I like Jennifer Lawrence. Fuck you. <laughs> but like stop only mother. casting Jennifer Lawrence in things. <laughs> Maybe do uh, Johnny Depp and Helen Bottom Carter. I don't think that's that's been done before. <laughs> yes, David O. Russell, become Tim Burton. <laughs> is there somebody out there? Is there, who, is there like a prototypical director out there who like only directed a couple things and they were great and then they just never did anything again or they died or something? Someone, uh, Tommy I, Wiseau. Someone I'm I can sure, do who's better than Kubrick, right? I'm sure there probably is, but I can't think of any off the top mm. of my head. I mean, yeah, because Kubrick really did a lot of great stuff for a long time. I mean, there's a lot of really good directors who haven't made that many movies yet. But yeah. they brought like Ryan Johnson or there you go. or Edgar Wright even. Zack Snyder. A ton of movies. Fuck you. <laughs> Get out of here. Go. You can't make Batman v Superman and, and be a good director. You suck. I really like Watchmen as much as I don't like Zack Snyder. Every time I go okay. back to watch I mean, Watchmen, I expect, I think I've talked about this on the podcast a lot, I expect to not like it, and every time I'm just like, this is still yeah. really good. I love no, this. I, I I do enjoy the movie. I enjoyed Watchmen in 300, the first 300. Yeah. yeah I enjoyed Watchmen. I enjoy Scottish Spartans as well. I mean, <laughs> as unrealistic as that movie was, like, I think I can forgive the Scottish accent. Oh, I absolutely can. <laughs> like, like with everything, I mean, it just has to be brought up every time. I think, but yeah. I, 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 still, I mean, it was a fun movie. All the rest of the Spartans just talked with British accents. It's like they're fucking Greek. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't actually know what a Greek accent sounds like, but I'm sure it's not British. Hey, I'm a Greek. That's Italian. <laughs> wow, that's racist. Are you saying Italians are the same thing as Greek people? What? How wow. am I the racist in that? Situation? They're basically yes. the same, right? Anyways, do I have anything else on this movie? No. Okay, well, let's get into some fun facts and background info on Minority Report.
All right, one of the higher budget films we've watched so far, $102 million, made $358.4 million. Um, very well received as well, critically 90%, audience 80%. Um, Metacritic a little lower on both fronts, but still very good. Critically 80 out of 100, and then the audience 7.1 out of 10. So, yeah, I think that's fair. Good movie, Tom. It's a pretty, pretty good, you know, good Spielberg, Tom Cruise sci-fi flick that also mm-hmm. had Colin Farrell and Max von Sydow, so it's kind of hard to fuck that up. Had some solid action. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> that's pretty. Good. That's a lot of. Was, was Lauren somebody? Do we recognize that actress? Uh, or the I don't. I didn't. Pre-con- the pre-con- looked familiar. I've seen Agatha in stuff, but I do not know her name off the top of my head. Okay, yeah, I couldn't um, think. I don't think either of them were super recognizable. I to don't. Me. Yeah, the cast I didn't in recognize Laura. Very good. Neil McDonough, even just as a supporting character, is pretty good. Uh, Agatha see. was played by Samantha Morton. Doesn't sound familiar. Um, and I'm not going to look through her entire filmography, but I'm sure she's been in stuff I've seen because she definitely looks familiar. But yeah. Um, yeah, oh, she was in The Walking Dead, but after I stopped watching it. Anyways, oh, um, oh I know where I know her from. Uh, she was. Um, uh, the bare bones lady from Fantastic Beasts. Uh, I don't know what that is. The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Bare them. bones, bare bones lady. Like uh, Ezra, Ezra Miller's mom or whatever. You know the. Oh. Yeah. The, okay. That I think I think they were called the bare bones. I don't. Okay. Know, I don't know her her name, but yeah, she. Yeah, smaller role, but yeah, that right. that that's where I recognize. Lots of her familiar from. faces. Anyway. Yeah. So, anyways, time for some checklist-based movie analysis. All right, but there is no checklist this time, and so oh, it's no. ethical dilemma-based movie analysis. What? No, what? But okay. is it the same right. tests? So, no. I'm going to give you guys some ethical dilemmas, right? I want you to tell me what you think, what you would do, okay? Okay. Um, this is a trolley problem? Okay, trolley problem is the first one. Are you guys familiar with the trolley problem? Yeah. No. Okay, so there's a trolley driving, right? It's on a track. It's about to hit five people, but you could pull a lever and make it hit make it go on a different track instead but if it goes on that track it'll hit three people what do you do and why this is the easy one come on yeah no i i pull the the lever because i feel like uh, in a in a vacuum all things being equal less death is better okay okay I take a stick and try and jam it in the wheel stop it okay you're not allowed to do that (laughs) Um, oh you get yourself killed along with those five yeah uh question do does either of the side have a dog uh no then I'll or kill you the... don't know. You don't know. Actually, you don't know. Oh no! Yeah, just just generic people. Well, fine. I'll kill the three people. Okay. All right. Now, new new one. There's a fat. Okay, you're on a bridge watching a trolley that's having the same dilemma, right? Um, and there's no one on there that can pull the lever to make a decision one way or another. So it's going to hit the five people, right? Mm. But you're standing on the bridge next to you is, is is a fat guy, and it's okay for me to say that because I'm a fat guy, and you know <laughs> that if you push that fat guy in front of the trolley, then it'll stop the trolley. It'll definitely kill him, but it won't kill the five people. What do you do? Kill the fat guy. Why? Less death. Okay. I mean, I'm kind of in the same place. Like, and the the big dilemma I know with with this is that it's the question of, um, you know, is it morally wrong to be active in this? Right. Like. Well, yeah, I did technically just commit murder. Yeah, you yeah. just murdered a dude. Yeah, but to save other dudes. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm, I'm just, Batman. You know, yeah, it's just a series of dilemmas that makes people think about things. I, I, I mean, Batman doesn't kill. First of all, uh, he doesn't. Batman v Superman. Back to the discussion well, we were Batman, just having. <laughs> that's right. Didn't he just like shoot people in that movie? He did. Everything was guns. Like <laughs> he, he even had a batarang gun. <laughs> like, it was, Why not just a batarang? It was insane. Oh. He never used anything except his fists and various guns that shot different things. It was great. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're killing the fat guy, it sounds like. Um, so there's like a million variations of these, and they're fun to look up and think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but so f- thus far, we've said that we'll kill some people to save more people, right? You know, yeah. That seems pretty clear to us. Uh, but then there's a transplant problem. So like, let's say you're a doctor, and you have three patients that have rushed into the intensive care unit that you oversee, right? They've been mm-hmm. in a terrible trolley accident. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they all need uh, organ transplants to survive. Um, and you know that you have a healthy patient back in your office who uh, you could kill and take the organs from them and give them to these three people to save their lives. Well, what do you do? Don't do that. You don't do that, right? But for yeah. reasons which are hard to articulate, because we already decided it was kind of okay to like actively kill people to save other people. I don't know. I mean, okay. Do you have more healthy patients? Uh, I guess may- in the in maybe in the in the case of this problem, probably not. Like for for the specific purpose of this, 
Maybe like could I just like harvest pieces of their organs without killing anybody? I mean, yeah. yeah. What does this have Let's to do with no. Minority Report? Yeah. Are well, you making a connection? Exactly. Well, because because there like it, it's a whole ethical dilemma movie, right? Uh, like, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um, that's the whole. It's the one that this third one ties into the to the whole ethical problem of this. Is basically like, is it okay to do something that's helping more people, keeping more people from dying, even? Um, but if you have to visit something that feels like a violation of somebody's. I don't know, natural rights or something. Yeah, I mean, and it's a good question, and it does I kind of... I think that's the question this movie asks. It, it does kind of force us to sort of reevaluate the uh, the pushing the guy in front of the trolley, too. I don't know. I mean, in a real-life situation where that happened, I honestly probably would not push the fat guy in front of the trolley. Yeah, same. But... Yeah. From like I, a from I, like a I moral un- standpoint, I understand why that would be the better solution I in a way. Well, but. see, I understand why people might do it. I think I think is more. Well, I, I guess part of my problem is that if I see a speeding trolley, I'm not going to assume that this big guy is going to be able to stop the trolley. Uh, that's true. But assume you did. You Ass- know, assuming I know this, it's all about for- assumptions and these stupid philosophical dilemmas. Yeah, no, it's true. Assuming I knew this for certain. Um, yeah, I don't know. Inter- interesting question. We don't really have to is. have perfect answers right now, but uh, food for thought. That's all the checklists I have this time. Okay. Uh, we'll do the rest of our stuff off mic so we can keep our stats up. Okay. Sounds good. Trivia. Cool. All right. Uh, <laughs> the precogs, Dashiell, Arthur, and Agatha were all named after famous mystery writers. Dashiell Hammett, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and Agatha Christie. Uh, when John Anderton visits the jail, the retina scanner that scans his eye makes a confirmation sound that years later, Apple would use as the charging sound. I'm on to you, Apple. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Uh, Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg both agreed to waive their usual salary to help keep the film's budget under $100 million. They agreed to take 15% of the film's gross instead. Oh, okay. They agreed oh, just to just 15% take... Percent of, yeah. Which is pretty solid. Each? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. I won't Jesus. take a salary. I'll just yeah. take some points off yeah. the top of this Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> Which we, you never know decision. if it's going to do well. Also, after advertising and marketing and stuff like that, the budget actually did go over $100 million. But I guess yeah. the, the actual filmmaking process was probably less than 100 since it right. was at, I think it was at 102 total. So I'm sure okay. they spent more than $2 million on advertising and shit. So. Um, for that futuristic yoga class scene we were talking about, Steven Spielberg hired the top 12 contortionists from around the world to do that one little tiny scene. <laughs> hey, some, some Cirque du Soleil that, that performers got, got some scene. exposure. You know yeah. what? The man's committed to quality. He is. Yeah. Uh, also, I included this one because I thought this, I, I didn't. I thought it was interesting. The part of Danny Whitworth was originally American and with a father who died outside a church in Maryland, but Spielberg didn't think Colin Farrell could fully shake his Irish accent, so the character was made Irish. He sounded American to me. Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't sound Irish to like, me. Did he? I didn't get any accent. Well, no, I said he didn't sound Irish. Oh, he didn't sound no, Irish. No. Yeah. I, I, I just, that was a weird trivia. I'm like, he was Irish? Yeah, no. I think Colin Farrell did a pretty solid American accent. His American that. accent was far better than uh, someone's. Irish accent in far and away. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure Colin Farrell might have been insulted by Tucker's <laughs> Irish accent, like the entire country of Ireland was. I'm show you well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, but no, I think Colin Farrell is one of those. Um, Colin Farrell is one of those actors where I was shocked to find out he wasn't American. Okay, like because because he does a lot of movies where he's American. Yeah, and then I found out he's Irish, and I'm like, really? Like I don't know. That was just one of those. I think the first things I saw him in where he w- where I like distinguished him as a specific actor because I'm bad at that um, was it, in Bruges. It was things like in Bruges. Yeah. So like I uh, yeah, I don't which know. in Bruges also stars another Irish actor that I never realized was Irish and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, I thought he was British. Okay, but you know, don't ever say that. Well, yeah, yeah. but he does yeah. a lot of roles where he has a British accent. True, so, you know, it's just you know, I think that's a testament to their ability as an actor if they can fool me that well like you know there's a lot of actors where you can tell that that's not their real accent looking at you nicole kidman Uh um her australian accent comes through in almost every movie i've seen her in so hey i see she's played knifey spoonie before (laughs) (laughs) uh 
Oh, also, I'm going to jump back because I almost forgot to do it again like I did with Vanilla Sky. We didn't talk about the stunts and the running. There was running, both in this and Vanilla Sky. Um, uh-huh. Stunts-wise, I don't think there was any stunts in Vanilla Sky. In this one, the... Um, yeah, I don't think there was much for him to do. In, yeah. like, I, unless he was in the car that went over the bridge, but I, I still he, don't. I, there's he no wasn't way. in that, no. I, I actually know that for a fact. But, okay. Uh, um, but in this one, uh, the bathtub scene where he's holding his breath under the bathtub and lets one air bubble come out or whatever, mm-hmm. that was originally supposed to be CGI, but apparently he like decided he was going to do it himself. I guess that's sort of a stunt in okay. a way. Doesn't he do that in one of the Mission Impossibles too? Didn't he? Where, like, uh, yeah, in uh, actually Rogue, learned to hold his Rogue breath Nation. for a crazy long amount of time. Yeah, in Rogue Nation, he learned how to hold his breath for three minutes. Jesus yeah, and, and in the first Mission Impossible, he refused to let them use a CGI helicopter for the final uh, train tunnel scene. Yeah, he famously just made them blow up that helicopter and uh-huh. the two actors on it. Yeah. That's why we never hear from John Voight anymore. I care about <laughs> any of his stupid political opinions. Uh... Uh, in an interview, Steven Spielberg admitted that jetpacks are not likely to ever come to fruition, but he included the technology as a tribute to the science fiction that he grew up with, and clearly Steven Spielberg does not listen to the dollop. Uh, actually, he <laughs> might have listened to the dollop because they th- would confirm that jetpacks are probably not going to come to fruition. Speaking of, listen to the dollop's episode on jetpacks. Pretty good. Uh, stop promoting other podcasts on our podcasts. <laughs> It's something that all podcasts try not to do for some reason that I'm not really clear on. Okay. It's not like podcasts are in like direct time competition with each other, right? Who listens to just one podcast? Yeah. And then if no, they listen fair. to a new one, they can get rid of their old one. Also, the, do- the Dollop's not even a movie podcast. And also, yeah. they're in such a higher tier than us. We're not competing. Yeah. And we're not even really sending anyone their way. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we don't have any listeners. <laughs> like, like, like Aaron. If, if, if Aaron, go listen to The Dollop. <laughs> Aaron, if you're listening to this, <laughs> she's not going to listen to Don't listen one. to The Dollop. <laughs> Uh, also, this is yet another movie that stars his cousin, William Apather. He was the hotel clerk. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't... I, I, I remember Wait. seeing him in the movie and pointing him out, but I hotel don't... Hotel clerk. What hotel? Oh, yes. Okay, N- near the end when he's going to the hotel where he shoots and kills. Yeah, Leo Kroos. Yeah, uh-huh. he's, yeah, he's the guy at the front desk. Or yeah, you don't see this, but in the background, they're questioning him, and he's like, actually, I have all of the information that you need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. In the scene where John kidnaps Agatha, Danny Whitwer asks, how much time do we have? A pre-crime officer responds, 51 minutes, 30 seconds. And this is the exact amount of time remaining until the end of the movie, until the credits, be- credits begin to roll. Little nice. fun. Little fun uh, I little do fun appreciate thing when they actually time things out like that. Yeah. There, yeah. There's been a few movies that's done stuff like that that I've read up on later i'm like hey look at you yeah there's this tv series called 24 that you guys have probably never heard of before okay yeah Yeah, no never my mom and i loved to watch that back in the day it was like an event we would binge watch the whole thing in like three days it was great if you go back and watch that show it is extremely problematic now it's basically like look at how cool this guy is because he's the best at torturing people yeah look how great torture is and how effective it is (laughs) it's so effective look at how much terrorism this guy has to stop on a daily basis there there have actually been studies done that suggest that that and shows like that have actually helped sway american public opinion on torture that's so nice to hear yeah it's it's great it's fun it's fantastic we should start a show called 48, where everyone's like, we should torture him. And then there's one guy no. who's actually in charge who's like, what? No. Like, it might take twice as long, but let's just talk to him and interrogate him normally. <laughs> and we'll get better information that way. Yeah, there's just all them, like, talking to people and, like, forming relationships like you have to do in intelligence settings and having good foreign policy. It'd be really interesting. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Watch that. But it would be a boring show <laughs> for a lot of people. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, now that now that we're uh, now that we're coming to the end of this lovely podcast, you got any uh, movies, books you've watched and or read recently, or just anything you'd want to recommend? I saw the Rise of Skywalker. It was. Do you want to recommend it? <laughs> it was okay. So, you know, if you're one of those people who, for whatever reason didn't like episode eight because you don't like when people change really formulaic story plots to actually make a legitimately good movie, then maybe you'll like this one better because they spend a lot of time trying to fix it, which I think is one of the negatives of this movie. But the ending's really good. <laughs> I like this angle. You're trying to aggravate the Star Wars fans. Look at it. It's really easy. I just know. just say The Last Jedi was a good movie and you'll piss off about 75% of them the because Jedi. 75% of them are dumb. The Last Jedi was a perfectly fine movie. It was... Except for a few, a few points that I well, I didn't really care for, but you know, whatever. Last Jedi was a really good movie with a couple of notable flaws. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I watched recently this documentary. I don't think I've talked about this one yet. This documentary called Honeyland, um, which is about a woman in uh, Macedonia who collects honey from bees. I bees? don't that that sounds really boring. If you're like me and somebody says that on a podcast, I actually heard them recommend this on Slash Filmcast. So okay. Incestuous. Um, don't promote other podcasts. Uh, oh, no, another movie <laughs> podcast. Man, yeah, we're going to be, we shouldn't help out the floundering podcast Slash Filmcast with our massive uh, set of viewers. Aaron, go listen to Slash Filmcast. Uh, anyway, Honeyland. It's about a woman who collects bees. That sounds boring, but it's actually beautifully shot and really interestingly done. And it's about more than just the bees. Nice. Wait, bees? Bees? Job's <laughs> not on board. Not the bees. <laughs> and uh, I guess don't um, watch the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. It's bad. Do watch the old Wicker Man or Apostle, which is basically a remake of Wicker Man. Or watch both of those Wicker Men, but I wasn't about to recommend that. So you're just taking shots at Nicolas Cage for no reason. That's it. Brings me joy to do that. Uh, okay. Well, uh, no, I was just gonna say, uh, you know what? If you're into this kind of shtick. Um, Go and not a movie this time. I'm going to recommend really any of Philip K. Dick's books, but uh, I'll go with uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and uh, A Scanner Darkly. Both both great. And then go watch Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, I was about to say also two Philip K. Dick books that had movies based on them. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner and A Scanner Darkly. So yeah. there you go. Philip K. Dick makes a lot of books that get movies, actually really good movies for the most part made off of his books, so. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. All right. That's all we have. Join us next time when we watch Austin Powers Gold Member. I'm Ooh. Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, uh, please uh, rate us five stars on App Podcasts and check out our letterbox for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. For this and other podcasts that we do, visit us at gcatsmedia.com. That's G is in gravy, catsmedia.com. One more time, that's gcatsmedia.com. And to keep up with us and all of our posts and podcasts and everything else, you can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Find our Twitter account at CruisinItPod. That's at C-R-U-I-S-I-N-I-T-P-O-D. And you've been listening to Cruising It. The Majority Report (laughs) (laughs) with Sam Cedar.